I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Companion for News. One o'clock at KSL News Radio. I'm Jessica Lowell. KSL's top story this hour. Police in Beaver County are investigating a shooting that left one man dead in Minersville. KSL News Radio's Amy Kobabe has the details. A probable cause statement from police says they responded to a call and found a man shot in the chest in his garage. He later died at the hospital from his wounds and police found Mike Miller down the street from the shooting and he told them he shot the man in the chest because he thought he was protecting other people inside the victim's home. He told police the victim was closing a door and possibly holding on to the wrist of his spouse when Miller opened fire. Miller was arrested and is now facing one murder charge. Amy Kobabe at KSL News Radio. Our top national story this hour from News. President Biden got his third jab of the COVID-19 booster shot today after federal, federal regulators gave a thumbs up to the booster shots last week. I know it doesn't look like it, but I am over 65. I wish I... <laughs> Way over. And that's why I'm getting my booster shot today. The president, who's 78, getting his third shot of the Pfizer vaccine. Americans can get a third dose of the Pfizer vaccine if they're 65 or older or immunocompromised. Your money at this moment. The Dow is up 98 points. The S&P is down six points. And the Nasdaq has lost 66 points. Coming up, it's warmer today, but a storm tomorrow could cool things down. KSL Weather is next. KSL News Time 101. Big news for everyone who enjoys smart, insightful discussion of the news. The KSL family has expanded. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson is now on from 1 to 3. Just ask Alexa or any smart speaker. Play KSL News Radio. I am one of thousands of women with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body. I am living in the moment and taking Ibrantz, Palcocyclib. Ibrant's 125 milligram tablet with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive HER2 negative MBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Be in your moment. Ask your doctor about Ibrant's and visit Ibrant's.com. Ibrant's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrant's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrant's, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Are you a business owner or HR rep? Does your company offer health insurance to your employees? If so, how do you know if you're getting the best deal on employee benefits? Every company works with a benefit broker who offers insurance plans. But did you know that a benefit broker makes more money when you spend more? Brokers are not only incentivized to steer you to more expensive insurance plans, but the more quotes they get, the harder they have to work and the less money they make. Most brokers get quotes from a few insurance companies or they recommend you renew as is. They don't do the extra work to get you the best deal. Either way, they get paid. What if you could save 10%, 20% or more, but you don't know it? No one should have to wonder if they're getting the best deal on employee benefits. My name is Keith with Magellan and Linden. We're a different kind of benefit broker that offers a best plan, best price guarantee. Unlike other brokers, we get quotes from every insurance company every year. It forces insurance companies to compete for your business and offer the best deal possible. We'll show you all your options. 
help you weigh the pros and cons, and then you'll feel confident to make the right choice for your company. Here's what you do. Step one, visit shopmyplan.com. Step two, we get you free quotes with no strings attached. Step three, if you like what you see, let's work together. Step four, you get the best plan at the best price. Your employees will be happy because they have great insurance. Your bank account will thank you because you got a great deal. If your benefits broker isn't getting quotes from every insurance company every year, you're probably paying too much. That's money that could make a big difference to your business, your employees, and your bottom line. You've got nothing to lose, so visit ShopMyPlan.com today to get the best deal on employee health insurance. That's ShopMyPlan.com. Again, ShopMyPlan.com. Let's save you some money. Visit ShopMyPlan.com today. Let wonder be your guide in Cedar City and Brian Head. Enjoy miles of stunning color on spectacular scenic highways and trails. Great live theater, dining and shops. Go to visitcedarcity.com. Traffic and weather together brought to you by Zions Bank, your business banking home. Here's Ricky Meese. We still have crews working to clean up the final stages of this accident. Eastbound on the 21st South Freeway at 7200 West and also the final cleanup of the earlier vehicle fire. Eastbound I-80 at Parley Summit. Diamond Rental has more than the equipment you'll need for your next project. They also provide top-notch customer service, 11 Wasatch Front locations, and the expertise to help you get your job done. Ricky Meese in the KSL Traffic Center. KSL weather, a high of 86 today, 84 tomorrow, and way cooler Wednesday with a high of 62. Sunny days in the forecast every day this week, except tomorrow. You can see a chance of storms. Right now it's 82 degrees at KSL News Radio at 102.7 FM, 1160 AM, and KSLNewsRadio.com. This is Utah's all-day companion for news. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Every news outlet, every political pundit has declared this a crucial make or break week, week for President Biden and his administration. So, what will make it? What will break it? But more importantly, what is the process for getting any of this stuff done? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, as we've been reporting, there is a lot going on in Washington this week. Very crucial week for the Biden administration. There is a process to all of this. It's not a um, wave of the magic wand. It's not getting everybody in a room and uh, suddenly it's all taken care of. There is a process that matters in all of this. And to help us break that down, James Walner, senior fellow at R Street Institute, uh, is here to help us do that on a Monday. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you back. And uh, obviously there is a lot of process components to what goes on this week. And so let's just start with some of the building blocks of of what has to get done, not just this week, over the next couple of weeks. We have, uh, of course, the $1.2 trillion so-called bipartisan spending bill, which is more traditional infrastructure. We have the $3.5 trillion uh, kind of catch-all, anything that could be considered infrastructure, even things that are not infrastructure, infrastructure bill. Uh, then we have the uh, always present at the end of September funding of the government bill. Uh, and then, of course, we have a debt ceiling to deal with. Have, have I got, captured all the buckets properly? <laughs> Uh, that sounds about right. Of course, when we talk about government funding, we also are going to be talking about a lot of programs that are going to expire, like the National Flood Insurance Program or the um, welfare programs, all kinds of other programs that are going to be tucked into this continuing resolution as well. It's the end of the fiscal year. It's a fiscal deadline. And so therefore, Congress is going to take advantage of that to pass as much as they possibly can. Yeah. So let's break down uh, kind of the process this week. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, said over the weekend that uh, she will uh, have the final vote on the $1.2 trillion package uh, on Thursday of this week. What's the process to get to that point? Well, what's happening in the House and what's bedeviling uh, Speaker Pelosi is that moderates in her party and progressives in her party both want different things. The moderates want this uh, traditional infrastructure bill and the progressives want the three point five trillion dollar spending bill. And 
they're holding both as hostage. And so they're kind of at a point where neither one can move forward. And so Pelosi is either hoping she has a deal with progressives to go ahead and pass this traditional infrastructure bill to then pave the way for action on the $3.5 trillion bill, or she's calling their bluff and saying, we're going to put this on the floor, we're going to vote for it, and hopefully we'll either have enough Democrats or enough Democrats and Republicans to pass it if progressives balk. Oh, that's uh, yeah. I think over the weekend we may have set a new record for the number of red lines uh, drawn by by both uh, progressives and moderates and even a few Republicans in there. Uh, a lot of red lines in terms of this is what I'll accept or won't accept. Uh, so then let's talk about the three point five trillion dollar package, which again is kind of that big catch all bill that has a lot of the president's agenda wrapped up in it. Uh, how does that what's the future of that look like in terms of the process pieces this week? Well, one of the reasons why Pelosi is going with the infrastructure bill first is simply because, one, it probably has more bipartisan support. And two, it's ready to go to the president to be signed into law if the House can pass it, because the Senate has already completed action on it. The Senate has not completed action on the three point five trillion dollar spending bill. And that's what gotten progressives very worried in the House. They think if the Senate comes back with a lower number, that they're going to be forced to go with that lower number. And they want to wait until that point to see what final number they get. So, But that is one reason why Pelosi is not yet moving forward with this $3.5 trillion bill. The House is going, you know, the House is wrapping up its consideration of that bill, but the Senate has yet to act on it. And as you know, in the Senate, it takes a long time for the Senate to do pretty much anything these days. <laughs> Yes, it does. And uh, there are a number in the uh, Senate. Even the president himself seemed to hint a little bit that the number is probably going to be a little lower than $3.5 trillion, uh, indicating that there there are some compromises yet to, to be had there. Uh, but let's, let's jump just to the overall funding of the government, uh, because I think this is one that we often kind of just skate past. Uh, and I want our listeners to really understand what this continuing resolution means versus what is outlined in the Constitution in terms of how Congress should do its job when it comes to funding the government? Well, first of all, both Republicans and Democrats uh, in D.C. talk about the sky is falling if they can't complete action on federal funding. And it's not to say that they shouldn't fund the government, but there's this presumption that we have to fund the government. And James Madison in the Federalist Papers tells us very clearly that the most powerful thing that we can give, the most powerful tool that we can give our representatives in Congress is the power of the purse. And so the idea that somehow Congress has to act is incorrect. Now, whether it should act, that's a different story, and that's something voters ultimately get to decide. But this continuing resolution is meant to give Congress more time to extend this year's uh, current funding into next year while it can continue to do its job. And, you know, it's had a long time to do its job. It just has chosen not to. It waits until the last minute. And as I said earlier, it's not just a clean extension of government funding. They're also tucking into that a, a, a provision to suspend the debt ceiling, not through December of this year, like the rest of the funding in the bill, but through December of the following year. In 2022, they also extend several big programs like uh, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, the National Flood Insurance Program. All kinds of other things are going to be tucked into here that aren't strictly related to simply extending government funding. Uh, and, of, and of course, uh, the the target, as you mentioned, that they are going to extend and that sort of puts, uh, as you said, it puts the government spending on autopilot at current levels, plus all the other things that you mentioned that they uh, will tuck into that bill. And then, of course, they're they're only going to extend that until December, until about Christmas or New Year's. And so then we can have another crisis where the sky will fall and Armageddon's at the door, uh, where knowing that members want to get home for the holidays, uh, they'll be able to negotiate a few things and probably fund the government until, I don't know, April. That's right. Look, it takes the Senate a long time to do things until it doesn't. And one of the times in, of the year it doesn't take the Senate a long time to do things is right before a, a deadline in, say, September or at the end of the year around the holidays. Then all of a sudden the Senate can do stuff very, very quickly. But the problem is, again, they do it in a way that voters can't see. Voters, whether you whether they're Democrat or Republican, uh, progressive or conservative, can't see what's going on, can't understand what's going on and can't hold their elected representatives accountable for the decisions that they ultimately make. Mm, that's the name of the game. Well, we're going to continue to watch this week. We're going to have you way back in as we get through this week, because I'm guessing it's going to be an interesting week uh, back in Washington, D.C. James Walner from uh, R Street Institute. Thanks so much for weighing in on a, on a Monday.
Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Uh, best line in there, the Senate acts incredibly slowly until it doesn't. Uh, and so you will see some things get done rather quickly. Uh, but as James rightly pointed out, they're going to be out of view of voters where we can't weigh in as voters and we can't really hold them accountable because we don't know what's going in those things. Uh, and that's how those votes are going to progress. We're going to stay with the conversation a little longer today because this is is so vital. We have so many things that are converging this week in our nation's capital. A lot of spending, a lot of things that are going to have to be paid for somehow, some way. And again, there's been a lot of red lines drawn by progressives, by moderates, by Republicans. Everybody's drawn lines in the sand and bright red lines. We're going to talk about how we get past all of that and actually have Congress do its job. Coming up next. Stay with us. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. This Saturday and Sunday, KSL is pleased to be your home for General Conference. Listen Saturday at 9 30 and Sunday starting at 8. Take us wherever you go on the KSL News Radio app. And at home, just tell Alexa, play KSL News Radio. I want to talk to you about cryptocurrency. Did you know that if you invested $10 in Bitcoin in 2010, it would be worth over $400,000 in January 2021? Crypto could represent the future of money, but it can be intimidating. And what about taxes? Well, with an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. You can create an account in just a few minutes and invest with as little as $10 with no setup charges. There are over 80 coins available like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. You can make a cash contribution or transfer cash from an existing IRA. Invest just $10 today. Who knows what it could be worth in 10 years? Ready to take your investments to the next level? Diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches. Open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as $10. Just go to altoira.com talk. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash talk. Start investing in cryptocurrency today. Go to altoira dot com slash T-A-L-K. Macy's is the locally owned source of happy shopping. Happy shopping is the Macy's commitment to bring you the freshest produce, the best guest service, and you get in and out and on with your day as quickly as possible. Macy's has delicious meals ready to eat, healthy items to keep you on your feet, and donuts and ice cream when you need a treat. Visit Macy's in-store or at Macy's.com to experience the Macy's difference. Macy's. Happy shopping. Did you know that health and energy begin in the mouth? And the last I checked, chewing your food isn't a luxury. That's why at Grandpa's Dental, they make oral health care affordable so that you can get the treatment you deserve. At Grandpa's Dental, their crowns and dentures are all done in-house. And their prices? Well, their crowns start at $4.99. Missing a tooth? Implants are $14.99 with the crown. Dentures starting at $5.49. And if you have several missing teeth and are looking for an all-on-four dental implant solution, they're offering a 25% discount. See, at the end of the day, it's not just about a beautiful smile, but that your oral health is taken care of. Because they live by Grandpa's words that health and energy begin in the mouth. So they'll see you soon at Grandpa's Dental in Orem or Murray. Make sure you schedule your free consultation at grandpasdental.com. That's grandpasdental.com. So is this the line for Dragon's Maze? Wow, the line is really long. We'll meet up later. How long will you wait? As long as it takes. So you guys are only going to do this one ride all day? It won't be that long, probably. Mom, can you get us food? Wait, wait, are they cutting? Caleb, food is so far away. Should I say something? Daddy, pick me up. Mom! Hey, there's a line here. Daddy, swing me. That's like 20 people. One person holds the line for 20 people? This is bull... Don't go there. Go on a real vacation. Go RVing. Learn more at GoRVing.com. When you run a business, setbacks change everything. And online, they happen fast. With your Comcast Business Internet, you can stay ahead. And now you can add Comcast Business Security Edge to make your network more secure. It helps keep your network safe with scans every 10 minutes. And unlike some cybersecurity options, this helps protect every device that's connected. Because when your information, your people, and your company have Security Edge, you can be ready for what's next. Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. Get started with a fast and reliable internet and voice solution for $64.99 a month for 12 months with a two-year agreement. Plus, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card with qualifying service. 
Call 1-800-501-6000 or go to ComcastBusiness.com today to learn more. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. New customers only with 35 megabits per second service and one voice line. Early termination fee applies. Equipment, taxes, and fees extra and subject to change. Security edge not included. Prepaid card offer ends 12-21-21. Be the first to hear breaking news or emergency traffic updates. Text the word NEWS to 57500. That's the UCCU KSL text line. Love where you bank. With the three things you need to know this hour, I'm Jessica Lowell. First, following the death of a Utah football player, Aaron Lowe, Salt Lake City police are making progress on the gunman, but they believe there's still a lot of crucial information they still need. Second, President Biden got his third job of the COVID-19 booster shot today, just a few days after federal regulators gave a thumbs up to booster shots. Third, an Alpine school district bus driver who posted controversial posters around school bus is no longer an employee with the school district. A high of 86 today, but it'll get cooler tomorrow. Right now it's 82 degrees and sunny in Salt Lake. Listen live on the KSL News Radio app. Back to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We are staying with the conversation when it comes to spending in Washington, D.C. this week. Uh, many have declared this a make-or-break week for President Biden and his administration, his agenda. And Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi uh, pushed back just ever so slightly the uh, vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was supposed to take place today in Washington. Uh, they pushed that back to Thursday uh, for a final, a final vote in the House and it leads to a lot of the questions. If you missed our previous segment with James Walner, James understands the workings of the House and the Senate like few people on this planet. And uh, he is right. Things move very slow until they move fast. Uh, and often it's a deadline. Uh, it's something like this where they can suddenly move very swiftly. And so we're going to watch that and see what happens. And the interesting thing has been the dividing lines in, in terms of these spending packages. And again, there's a lot to process there because you have – Two different bills that are under the banner of infrastructure, one bipartisan, traditional infrastructure, one a very large $3.5 trillion spending package that includes a lot of things that would not be classified as as traditional infrastructure. You also have just this ability to fund the government. Uh, Most people don't realize that is the fiscal year for the government ends at the end of September, and so things have to be approved and funded. Now, there's there's a there's a secret to all of this, uh, and it's the Constitution. <laughs> it's very simple. You you have twelve buckets. You go through and you appropriate the money. You pass each of those bills independently. The president signs them, and things move forward. Uh, we haven't done it that way under Republicans or Democrats for a very 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 long time. And what we do instead is this thing called a continuing resolution which basically says we're going to put all of the current spending on autopilot. We're just going to keep spending, even though we can't really afford it or we can't justify it. We're just going to keep doing what we've been doing because that's working so well for us. And so it's a continuing resolution. Now, they often tuck even more spending into those because everyone knows they have to pass. Otherwise, we have a government shutdown. Nobody wants that. And uh, most of it uh, is theater and grandstanding and fiscal cliffs and crises and calamities and all those other things. Uh, So the question then becomes, you know, why is it that we continue to function this way? And part of it is because we allow it as voters. We we have to be tuned into the process and say, you know, that's just not how that's supposed to work. Uh, Then, of course, we have this debt ceiling issue, uh, which we'll come back to later on. Uh, because that's what Congress keeps saying is we'll come back to that later on. We'll just suspend it uh, and act like we have money to burn. Uh, so let's go through and break this down just a little bit because the dividing lines are a little different than normal. We often talk about left and right battles in Washington, D.C. This week, the battle is almost exclusively left and left. So center left Democrats and far left progressive Democrats are simply not on the same page when it comes to either of these spending packages or what to do next. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, refuted the claim over the weekend uh, that Democrats are divided on these spending packages. So when you say Democrats divided, no, they're overwhelmingly. I've never seen actually over 95 percent of the caucus just about for anything. Uh, there are some who disagree, and I respect that about the size of the package. And, and so some in the Senate, a couple in the Senate as, well, Senate as well. And we have to find 
our common ground, respectful of each other's views. But this isn't about moderates versus progressives. Overwhelmingly, the entirety of our caucus, except for a few whose judgment I respect, uh, uh, support the vision of Joe Biden, and we will make progress on it this week. Very interesting. She caught herself at the end saying we will pass it. She said we will make progress uh, on it this week. Now, I hope they do make progress. I hope they get some things done so we can move forward. Uh, that's really what it's all about. But to uh, to make the statement that they are not divided uh, is, is just not reality. Uh, just today, uh, an op-ed uh, by three members of the House – from the more liberal wing of the Democratic caucus, you had uh, Representative Jaipal from uh, Washington, uh, Representative Porter from California, Representative Omar from Minnesota. They combined on an op-ed and put their red line, their line in the sand. Uh, they declared it pretty specifically. Uh, in fact, here's what uh, Representative Jaipal uh, talked about on uh, State of the Union with Jake Tapper over the weekend. Our point is just we're ready to vote for both. We are excited to vote for both and we will vote for both, but we need to actually get the reconciliation bill done. That was what we said three and a half months ago. So, so talking about the reconciliation bill, that's the larger of those bills. And again, this group is saying that has to be done first. The bipartisan bill can be done second. Many in the liberal wing of the Democratic Party are saying we won't vote for the bipartisan bill unless the reconciliation, the large bill, passes first. Uh, so that's that's the challenge. Uh, this week with uh, George Stephanopoulos, uh, Speaker Pelosi says that they will pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill this week. Let me just say we're going to pass the bill this week. But, you know, I'm never bringing a bill to the floor that doesn't have the votes. You cannot choose the date you have to go when you have the votes in a reasonable time, and we will. Okay, so again, the speaker projecting a lot of confidence there. We will get this done. We have the votes. But again, from her own party, Representative Jayapa said the votes are not there, Madam Speaker. I mean, the speaker is an incredibly good vote counter, and she knows exactly where her caucus stands. And we've been really clear on that. The too. votes aren't there. She's not going to The votes aren't there. So a little bit of confusion and uh, not a whole lot of clarity when it comes to inside the Democratic caucus, uh, whether the votes are there, or the votes are not there. Uh, when asked if Democrats could go it alone to pass infrastructure, the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, said uh, it wants to, to be bipartisan, but I think they're hinting and hedging that uh, they may go it alone if necessary. Well, we, we want this to be bipartisan. If we didn't want it to be bipartisan, we would have put it in the reconciliation bill. That would have been a decision we had to make when we wrote the uh, Budget Act. But nonetheless, the decision was made that it would always be bipartisan, whether on our part, as we have cooperated in the past with Republican presidents, or on their part. All right. Uh, again, it gets real confusing there uh, because a lot of this, remember the negotiation about the bipartisan bill uh, was often just a uh, sleeves-off-the-vest sort of negotiating, uh, where a lot of the things that were negotiated out of the bipartisan bill were simply put in to the reconciliation bill, which uh, likely will have to pass strictly on a partisan line, strict party line vote. Uh, of course, many people, uh, including the moderates in the House and the Senate, are saying, man, this is a lot of money. Uh, do we really want to go down this path? Or as uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, a Democrat, uh, said, no, maybe we should tap the brakes on some of this spending. On Friday, the president uh, reiterated that the price of the spending package is zero. We talk about price tags. The, it is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. So they say it's not, you know, people, understandably, well, you know, it started off at $6 trillion, now it's $3.5 trillion, now it's going, is it going to be $2.9. It's going to be zero. Okay. I am self-professed really bad at math, uh, but I don't know any math where almost $5 trillion adds up to zero or is free. Uh, that just is, is not going to happen there. And, and interesting, uh, House Speaker uh, then kind of shifted the conversation a little bit, uh, saying, well, no, we shouldn't be talking about the price tag. We should be talking about what we're going to accomplish. Let's not talk about numbers let's, and dollars. Let's talk about values. 
So we have to talk about numbers. This is a budget process. Uh, and so you can't you can't sugarcoat this. You can't gloss over this uh, and expect the unicorns to come in and save the day. There, there's always that belief in Washington. I've seen it uh, where people just believe the unicorns are coming and they're bringing all the money and it's all going to be just fine. And everyone's going to sing Kumbaya and we're going to march down the street together. And it just it never happens. And so you do have to talk about the numbers because the numbers are reality. It's something that everyday Americans do every single day. You, you make choices. You prioritize. You hold each other accountable for commitments made. And we have to get back to that as part of our process um, in, uh, in Congress uh, is that we've got to get to where we can have an honest conversation about what things cost, what they produce, what the outcomes are. Do it in front of the American people so everybody can be held accountable. No unicorns required. We're step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, much more on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. One thirty at KSL News Radio. Good afternoon. I'm Maria Shaleos. KSL's top national story this half hour. It is breaking news on KSL News Radio. Singer R. Kelly has been convicted of sex trafficking and racketeering. A jury announced its verdict just a few minutes ago. Kelly was accused by multiple women of sexual abuse. The jury began deliberating this case last Friday. Other national stories we are following. President Biden this week is continuing his push for an infrastructure package and the so-called human infrastructure plans. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki says signing off on them would benefit members of Congress from both sides of the aisle. Roads, rails, bridges, they are not Republican or Democratic. They are they are initiatives. They are uh, improvements the American people want. People want improvements to child care. They want their costs cut. They want the tax system more fair. Some Republicans and moderate Democrats have balked at the price tag for the plans. Salt Lake City police say they are getting good information about the possible gunman who shot and killed University of Utah football player Aaron Lowe. But they believe that there is still a lot of crucial information they still need. KSL News Radio's Paul Nelson has more. Investigators say they've looked into every single tip and lead they've received since the shooting. At this point, there are several potential promising leads that our investigators are aware of. But Salt Lake City Police spokesperson Brent Weisberg says there are still several people who fled the party after the shots were fired who have not come forward. They believe some people may be fearful to talk to police. We will not tolerate witness tampering or witness interference. He also says even if they had a fully staffed police force, they might not have been able to respond to the half dozen noise complaints they received before the shooting. He says they can have several dozen noise complaints on any given weekend and emergency calls get priority. Paul Nelson, KSL News Radio. Taking a look at your money at this moment, the Dow up by 112 points, sitting at 34,910. S&P 500 down by five. The NASDAQ down by 51 points. Summer-like temperatures about to come to an end. We'll check the forecast coming up next. KSL News Time, 132. KSL is expanding the news and expanding inside sources. Catch a full hour of news at noon and expanded inside sources with Boyd Matheson from 1 all the way to 3. On KSL News Radio. Hi, I'd like to donate a car to the Utah Kidney Foundation. Are you in Utah? Awesome. Let's get some info and we'll send you a tow truck. But I want my car donation to benefit my neighbor in Farmington who needs a transplant. Are you in Utah? That's a gnaw. I'm in SoCal, <laughs> but you're still donating to charity. What charity? Does it matter? Yes, I want my donation to stay in Utah. Righteous dude. You need to call tow cars in Utah. Locals only, am I right? Oh, yeah. I remember tow cars with a K like kidney. It's on a billboard somewhere. T-O-W-K-A-R-S dot O-R-G. That's it. Towcars.org. If you'd like your vehicle donation to help Utah kidney patients in the Beehive State, please use the web address on their billboard, towcars.org, to donate your old car or truck. That's T-O-W-K, like kidney, A-R-S, towcars.org. If you've been meaning to get your house painted all summer and think you've missed your chance, relax. You're just in time to go with the pros at Serta Pro Painters. Your local Serta Pro Painters are ready to give your home a refreshing color change inside or out. They'll handle every detail from start to finish, worry-free, because Serta Pro Painters is a local service you can rely on. 
you can renew and refresh your walls and your spirit, knowing you're getting the service and expertise you deserve. Your home will be prepped, primed, and painted long before the holidays and your Aunt Mary arrives to marvel at your home's fresh new look. You'll be the pride of the neighborhood. It's not too late to get on the schedule with a free estimate from your local Serta Pro painters and get your painting project started today at SertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. Each Serta Pro painter's business is independently owned and operated. Are you a business owner trying to rebound after this past year? Or maybe your business received a PPP loan and needs more money. MoFi can help. MoFi is a nonprofit lender dedicated to helping small business owners across the Rocky Mountain West who can't get a loan from a bank. Right now, MoFi has a special low interest loan called Thrive. These funds are available to businesses that were open and profitable before 2020. A MoFi Thrive loan can be used in a variety of ways, like purchasing new business equipment, building up inventory, tackling that long awaited construction project, or even just covering day to day expenses. The best part? Thrive comes with low-cost, 3% interest-only payments for the first two years, giving your business the time it needs to rebuild and grow. Loans are available up to $100,000, and the application is fast and easy. Get started today at mofi.org. That's M-O-F-I dot O-R-G. Traffic and weather together brought to you by Zions Bank, your business banking home. The latest on your drive. Here's Ricky Meese. We had an earlier scanner report of a possible rollover accident at 90th South Mountain View Corridor. So far, I've not seen that come up. We also have crews clearing an accident in Ogden Southbound Harrison Boulevard at 20th Street. Celebrate and be blown away with 50 years of spectacular entertainment. BYU Spectacular, October 7th and 8th, featuring Brian Stokes Mitchell. Celebration of arts, sports, and more. Tickets on sale at BYUtickets.com. Ricky Meese in the KSL Traffic Center. A high today of 86 degrees. Grant Wayman telling us tonight the wind's coming in, blowing in a cold front. Tomorrow, expect the high only around 74 and a 30% chance of showers, down to 62 with a 20% chance of showers on Wednesday. 84 degrees at KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM, 1160 AM, and KSLNewsRadio.com. This is Utah's All Day Companion for News. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Utah's in the middle of a once in a decade redistricting process, and many rural communities want to make sure they're fully represented in that process. The question then becomes, how do you strike the right balance between urban and rural areas? Utah State Representative Candace Perucci is serving on Utah's Legislative Redistricting Committee, and she joins us now to discuss the issue. Representative, thanks for jumping in today. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Boyd. Hey, you've been uh, traveling the state a little bit, uh, having some of these hearings yeah. around redistricting, and uh, it is a complicated thing. It's not as easy as uh, everyone thinks, uh, but just give us a little uh, sense in terms of what you're hearing uh, at some of these hearings uh, around the state of Utah. Well, that's a great question. We have, uh, gosh, I think at this point done eight of our committee hearings that we're doing a town hall style and, you know, we just finished up this weekend in Cedar City and St. George. The week before that, we did Grantsville and Ogden. And really, from each community, we're hearing, you know, obviously, particulars of what regions they'd like to see, see stay together. Um, but most recently in southern Utah, a really common theme was making sure that we don't forget about rural Utah. And that even with all the growth we're seeing along the Wasatch Front, particularly making sure that uh, rural Utah has, you know, adequate representation and we're still focusing on those issues that are important. So we have a really great balance on the committee with uh, committee members from all over the state. Uh, several of my colleagues are from rural Utah. Our co-chair, Senator Sandal, obviously, he uh, coming from rural Utah, representing rural Utah, does a great job as well. So I think we really have kept that forefront of the conversation and balancing the needs of suburban Utah and rural Utah. 
Yeah, it's such an important part. And so I want to kind of break this down a little piece at a time, uh, because often, of course, the, we think about the big battles, which are about uh, the federal representation uh, in the in Congress. And that one you can many people say, oh, well, you know, just uh, divide it up or, you know, give us a good rural district. But it actually comes down to a one person, one vote uh, match that you yep. have to, to get in the maps. Yeah, it's much more specific, and it has to be much more mathematically accurate than I think people realize. And I will just put in a plug. Anyone can go on and submit a map at redistricting.utah.gov. There are over 71,000 census voting blocks in Utah that wow. you are looking through and uh, parsing out. And so to your point, absolutely. We've, uh, when we first began, uh, voted on and committed to uh, low levels of target deviation and what that means is the difference in size between the congressional districts. We want to be as close to zero in terms of population difference so that it's really a fair representation um, as possible. So that is something that we're looking at targeting, which means uh, you see a lot of rural Utah get pulled into some of our more suburban areas right. uh, so that you can you can balance the needs. Yeah, and that and that is uh, again. I think it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around that. It's like, well, why don't you just have a, a Salt Lake City district and have that? It's like, okay, but then you have Daggett County, and there aren't nearly as many people out there. But oh. they need to be representative. But then you got to get the math to work, and uh, it gets pretty complicated yep. pretty fast. We actually have heard that. I think in almost every town hall, someone has brought up, "Why don't we just give each county a senator?" And the response is, Daggett County has 955 people. Meanwhile, Salt Lake County, my county, has 1.4 million. And so you'd be disenfranchising a lot of people yeah. in Salt Lake County and overrepresenting those in, in Daggett in that example. So to your point, it is much closer to the population size that we're looking at. Yeah, and that is, and if again, if you're look, if you're up for a challenge on a Monday, uh, you can go and draw your own map. I've tried this; it is it is not an easy task to to go about. But uh, I want to break down a little bit down to the the more local races, the state uh, senate, the state house races, uh, where again numbers do matter, uh, and it's mm-hmm. so hard to to keep those together and. It's also an, an issue where you may have a representative that suddenly uh, no longer has a district to represent. It may get uh, redivided in a, yeah. in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as we've looked at the census data, which came out a little later because of COVID, so my, my district, for instance, in the past decade grew 102%. So I almost have a Senate-sized district right now. Um and I'm in the House. And so obviously you're looking at how do you then reapportion seats to, to get down to the target population size. And so Utah County, uh, just looking at census data, they're set to gain a seat and a half. Um, Washington County is growing incredibly fast. They're set to, you know, gain some uh, maybe a half a seat seat. And then on the east bench of the Salt Lake area, it's shrinking. And so to your point, you're going to see those district boundaries expanding to pull in more population. And then in areas like the southwest corner of the Wasatch uh, front is going to be contracting um, because it's, you know, the density and the population sizes. So to your point, there may be, we try to avoid that, but there may be a case where it just the best way to draw those district lines ends up drawing two people in to one spot or um, someone is no longer in their district, right? So there there are those challenges that are associated with it. Yeah. It, like I said, this is the hard work and heavy lifting of uh, going through the census data, looking at all the dynamics. You also have to kind of project because this really is a once in a decade uh, opportunity. And so you do have to kind of factor that in. As you said, you're representing a district now that's not uh, just a House district level size. Yeah. It's uh, really a Senate district size. Yeah, it's massive. And I think, too, I mean, so we were the second in growth Second only to uh, my colleague, Representative Moss, who's just south of me in Saratoga Springs. So we're really seeing that growth there. And again, looking at how then do you adequately draw those lines so that you're going to create and shrink those districts and, and pull in other areas. So it's, it's interesting when you pull out the map and you're looking at it, it's kind of like we've got two spots really hot spots you've got you know the washington county and then obviously utah county and then 
South Salt Lake County, and those are the areas that I think if people sit down and try to draw a map, they're going to see how difficult it really is. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a challenge. Again, this is a once-in-a-decade redistricting uh, process. Again, you're getting people from across the state, uh, both rural and suburban. You've got left and right uh, when it comes to the party dynamics. And uh, this is just an important conversation, important one to weigh in on. And uh, Representative, we appreciate you joining us today to talk us through a little bit. And we look forward to your work product, uh, which I'm sure will uh, get a little attention, uh, hopefully not too long from now. Yeah, well, thank you. And I I just want to add, I hope that people will engage in the process. We've made it so that they're virtual meetings. If you can't make it to one in person, we would love to have your participation. It's amazing how many people complain about redistricting and how few people are actually engaging in it. And so I would just encourage Republicans, Democrats, unaffiliated voters to really engage in this process. And you don't have to draw on that, but at least give some public input and feedback on what you'd like to see. Yeah, this is the time where we do have to be part of the process. If you do want to draw a map, you can go to redistricting.utah.gov. And as Representative Perucci said, uh, you can join these uh, events, these town hall-style conversations, either live or remote. Uh, So there's no excuse not to show up and learn and weigh in uh, and be part of the process. Uh, Again, Candace, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you. All right, that's an important one. We're going to continue to follow that one real close, redistricting, how that's going to impact the state. Uh, Stay with us on that. Uh, When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about President Biden going to the executive order pen again, back to the DACA policy for immigrant children. We'll discuss that coming up next. You've done the things you're supposed to do. You know, the big plan, you got married, bought the little fixer-upper, had your 2.5 kids, and life is grand. Until it's not. So if something happens to you, who's going to take care of your kids? What's going to happen to them? Who takes care of that fixer-upper and everything in it? That's where estate planning helps. Have you thought about a will and trust? Look around at your life. Maybe it's time for that plan as well. Don't let a judge decide for you. You need your own estate plan. Call to schedule your free consultation, and VF Law will give you $200 off your estate planning. Initial consultation with VF Law can be done over Zoom, the phone, or their attorney can come to you. Go to utestateplanner.com and register for the live event October 7th to find out more about estate planning. Or call VF Law and schedule your free consultation. For more, visit VF Law at utestateplanner.com. That's utestateplanner.com. Let me talk to your furnace for a moment. Hi there, furnace. Can I call you Bob? Working hard, Bob? Giving warmth night after night, day after day, often neglected, unappreciated, on the edge of your ability, Bob? Giving your all, ready to burn a bearing or blow a fuse, yet pressing on despite your lack of maintenance and tender loving care, Bob? What's that you say, Bob? Bob says, call the Furnace Whisperers, the Whipple Service Champions Furnace Tuner-Uppers, where you get $55 off the best furnace tune-up in the world in our marketplace. Not the feather dusters, the deep-down, back-to-factory conditions Furnace Tune-Uppers. Thanks, Bob. We speak Furnace, and if you call us, we already know what Bob will say. Thank you. Whipple Service Champions, Utah's original friendly family business since 1947. 801-444-FAST. 801-444-FAST. For emergencies, when you call today, we come today. Bam! Hi, this is Doug Wright, and now that the summertime is in the rearview mirror, all of those outdoor adventures, off-road adventures, high-temperature driving, this is the perfect time to get into Burt Brothers and have them look the vehicle over and get you ready for the fall and winter driving conditions that are just around the corner. Taking a look at your tires and brakes, doing the oil changes, looking the engine over, Burt Brothers is your one-stop shop for all of your automotive service needs. And with the brand new store on Antelope Drive in Layton, it's now open. It's ready to serve the folks in North Davis County and South Weber County. When it comes to brand name tires too, nobody does it better than Burt Brothers, carrying only the brands you know and trust, keeping you safe on the road, and you'll get more miles from those tires. Go to BurtBrothers.com, see all of the money-saving options, shop and buy and schedule your next appointment right there online. It's waiting for you at Burt Brothers, the complete auto care that is done better. Are your golden years proving not to be so golden? Retirement income isn't stretching quite as far as it used to. Life happens. Job loss, loss of spouse, reduction of income, divorce, unexpected expenses. 
For most, your home just may be your single largest retirement resource that's not being utilized. You spend years of your hard-earned money paying down the mortgage. Maybe it's time to use your home to pay you back. We've all heard of reverse mortgages, but have you heard of today's new reverse mortgage? There have been drastic changes to the reverse mortgage program over the years, and it's more viable than ever. Talk to the experts at Reverse Freedom and discuss your best options for you. Call 801-921-HOME. They're right here in Utah, and all they specialize in is reverse mortgage solutions. Call Reverse Freedom now at 801-921-HOME. That's 801-921-HOME. Or online at reversefreedom.com. NMLS ID 138-2816. It's Tim and Amanda, and we're excited to tell you about our next Utah Gives Back service event. Every few months, we team up with Select Health and you, our wonderful listeners, to give back. On Thursday, October 14th, we'll be at Highland Junior High, part of the Ogden School District, painting, pulling weeds, washing windows, and helping kids. We hope you'll join us. Sign up today at utahgivesback.com. That's utahgivesback.com. We'll see you there with Utah Gives Back, presented by Select Health. With the three things you need to know this hour, I'm Maria Chaleos. First, Salt Lake City Police say they are following up on solid leads as they look for suspects in the death of University of Utah football player Aaron Lowe. Lowe was shot to death this weekend at a house party. A woman was critically wounded. Second, Utah is reporting more than 3,100 new cases of COVID-19 since Friday. Nearly two dozen more people have died. And third, singer R. Kelly has been convicted of racketeering in a sex trafficking trial. The case stretches back for more than a decade. A high today of 86, right now 84 degrees in Salt Lake City. Listen live on the KSL News Radio app, back to Inside Sources, with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. The Biden administration has proposed a new rule to recreate or to preserve the DACA program. Again, for those children who came across the border illegally uh, through really no fault of their own. And, uh, of course, the ruling was declared illegal by a district judge uh, during this past summer. And so it is one of those testaments to what gets done by executive order, uh, either gets done by another executive order by a succeeding president, or it gets undone in the courts. And that battle back and forth, and again, the intentions, I think, are correct in terms of providing some certainty uh, for these children uh, who came across when they were young. The problem is, is when you do things by executive order, it creates more uncertainty for the very group you're saying you're trying to help. And I've noticed now that the administration has uh, gone away from using the term executive order. They're now uh, going to the rule word uh, that an executive branch agency they announced on Monday would initiate a new rule. Uh, The new rule is designed to circumvent what was ruled by the court uh, in terms of the previous uh, DACA rule that was put in place by President Obama. And on uh, a number of the Sunday shows over the weekend, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, talked about how these things are playing out and what this new rule, again, is really an executive branch edict, uh, what that looks like and what that's going to play for. Let's start with his comments on Meet the Press, where he talked about working uh, simply in a, an immigration system that is broken. I think we meet the challenges, but we are working in an completely broken system. And as to that, there is unanimity in Washington and in the country. I've never heard anyone say that the laws in immigration are well-structured. So I agree with Secretary Mayorkas. The immigration system is broken. There's no question. And he is 100% correct. Everybody agrees that it is broken. Uh, But you do not fix a broken system by initiating a rule that is also broken, that is unlikely to result in certainty and a path forward, especially for those children who have come across the border uh, through no fault of their own when they were young. Uh, He continued to make the rounds. He also uh, went on Fox News Sunday, Secretary Mayorkas did, uh, with Chris Wallace, where they discussed this flood of people coming across the border. Uh, Here's that exchange. 
the statistics of of your own department show that the flood of people coming illegally across the border has gotten worse under the Biden administration. So I wouldn't call it a, a, a flood, Chris, if I if I may. But we have we we have seen large numbers of individuals uh, encountered our, at our border making a claim for asylum for humanitarian relief, which is a a statute, which is a law uh, uh, of the United States that individuals can make a claim of fear of persecution by reason of their membership in a particular social group. That's what the law provides. This, uh, we have certainly seen a large number here in uh, this year, but in 2019, we saw a large number. In 2014, in 2010, this is nothing new. It spans uh, many, many years. Uh, it spans different administrations of both parties, and it speaks to the need for legislative reform. All right, and, and Secretary Mayorkas is 100% right. This speaks to the need for legislative reform. He's absolutely right. The problem is when you say that is what is needed, but then you act by executive order or rule out of an executive branch agency, uh, that is not encouraging the right process to happen. And that's why we're still where we are. He is right. We did see increases across the border in 2012, 2014, 2019. It does span administrations and parties. Uh, it is a broken system, to be sure, but you don't fix the system by further breaking the system. And you do not create certainty for those you're trying to help with a new broken system that everyone knows will end up back in the courts, which will do what? Create more uncertainty for the very people that we're trying to help. Uh, and, and so that's where I really get into the problem with both Democrats and Republicans is that you can't just keep trying to solve problems by executive order. Congress has to do its job. I agree with Secretary Mayorkas. Both sides of the aisle know the system is broken. Everyone agrees. You've heard me talk about it on this show in the past. It was the most astonishing thing to me when I went back to Washington uh, was immigration. Because everyone agreed. Everyone agreed we need a border. We need to make it easier for people to come here legally than it is to come here illegally. We need to make sure we have the right things in place when it comes to things like green cards, H-1B visas, and so on. Uh, we also need to be able to tell who comes in the country and who goes out of the country. Uh, I have always made the claim if Disneyland can tell you where your family is at in, any moment in the park over a three-day weekend, surely, surely the most powerful country on earth can figure out who comes in and who leaves the country. Uh, and so there's a, a host of things that every single member of Congress agrees on. Secretary Mayorkas is right. It requires a legislative solution. So let's get a legislative solution. What's the barrier to that? Politics. The political parties would much rather have immigration as a campaign point and a way to raise funds than they would get to a policy solution. Uh, this, everyone agrees. Everyone agrees. It's one of the most frustrating things I experienced in Washington was listening to members of both parties absolutely 110% agree on what needs to be done, what needs to be fixed. And members of Congress will even go so far as to say, Congress needs to fix this. And yet they refuse. And why do they refuse? It's because of the politics of it all. Uh, both sides raise way too much money off of anger, fear, and frustration when it comes to immigration. I've had people challenge me and say, well, you know, it's a, it's a good theory, Boyd, that everyone agrees on this and so we should be able to solve it. And then you get the but. But what about all of those that are already here illegally? Well, here's my solution to that. Don't ask the American people to trust you in Washington again on this issue. You should trust the American people. Let's flip the script. I trust the American people. So whatever the number is of people who are here in the country illegally already, there's a percentage of those that are thugs and bad guys. And I trust the American people to know what to do with thugs and bad guys. And so then what does that leave us with? That leaves us with some pretty sympathetic cases of either these DACA-type recipients, 
Children who came across with their parents had no real say in the matter, have no way to go back to anywhere. They don't know the language. They're not part of the culture. Uh, There's no reason or way to send them back. They're sympathetic cases. And guess what? I trust the American people to know what to do with those sympathetic cases. The American people have shown they know how to do that over and over and over again. Uh, We are one of the most compassionate countries on this planet, always the first to show up in a catastrophe, always the first to donate when there's a natural disaster. The American people get it. We need our members of Congress and administration. I don't care what political party. We need them to get it so we can get this done. So we don't keep having the uncertainty. Let's get to some confidence. Let's get to a path forward. We can do that. We just have to have a different kind of conversation. I'm Boyd Matheson. That's going to wrap up our number one. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll be back after top of the hour news. Live breaking news now on the mobile app for KSL News Radio. Sponsored by Any Hour Services. Listen at home or anywhere you go. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. This is Utah's news station. Two o'clock at KS. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.